This series is coming out of a genuine love for the local church. We've served in the local church, and we truly believe that the church at its best is the answer to a lot of the issues facing our communities and the world. So just to get it out of the way, we know that there's always going to be issues between right and wrong, uh, light and dark. We know that the world is going to hate us as Christians uh, for following Jesus because look what they did to him on Calvary. Yes, but there are things that the church has done in history and is consistently doing today that harm the witness of Christians. And if we can't learn as a church to be accountable to each other and um, to hold each other up to a higher standard, then we will continue to reap the righteous judgment Mm -hmm. of the world that's actually a sinful world judging the church for doing wrong. Right. So all that being said, let's get into it. This is Stains on the Church. You're listening to the Nick Smith Podcast. Real life, no myth. Where we talk about myths and misunderstandings surrounding life, race, faith, and culture. If you'd like to support the Nick Smith Podcast, rate us on iTunes. Or you can give through our Patreon. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends can know what you're listening to. Hey, people. We are your hosts, Nick Smith. And Kylie Jo Smith. And again, this is our newest series. Uh Uh-huh. Stains on the church. Stains on the church. And so what we're doing is we're discussing different things that we've noted in culture that um, are pointing towards real issues in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this isn't us coming at the church because we're not coming for you, church. We we love you. We support you, church. We are the church. Um, so please know we're not jumping on the because it's very hip for Christians to yeah. bash the church. Not just Christians. It's yeah. hip for everybody to bash the yes church. but specifically I, i'm thinking of like those people that are like listen the church is terrible and i know because i was raised in the church and i'm going to oh, tell you yeah. how terrible the church or is. like christian artists or christian mm-hmm. actors christian like all these people that in the public sphere have made it known that they're christians yeah but yet i don't do church because church is the devil in their words in that's their not words. what we're saying <laughs> so we we're not jumping on that bandwagon right but um we do stay in touch we do have a lot of connection with people that are not church that are mm-hmm. unchurched folks um some believers some non-believers but a lot of them have legitimate issues with things that have happened in the church yeah so this is a seven-part series to kind of address most of those issues of course we could go on more than seven and i think we landed we're like okay we could we could continue this for yeah, maybe or we can four. pour some of these down and yes um because so many of the issues it's not just the thing like right mm-hmm. it's never about the one thing it's, it's not always about the something nail. yes always something deeper and for this first part of the series we really wanted to touch on sexism come on this was something that um it's it's really affected a lot of people because it affects us in different areas of church ministry mm-hmm. it's not just um, because I mean, in the workplace, we we recognize like sexual harassment, yeah, and that is something that it's still it happens in the church as yes, well. Yes, it really does. But um, specifically with regard to like gender bias and mm-hmm. and looking at what roles men and women are supposed to fill and what roles we're allowed to fill, yeah. and that all kind of gets misinterpreted by the world as sexism and like no, not misinterpreted. I shouldn't say that it gets interpreted by the world as sexism when we're just misapplying some things. I think there's some really deep misunderstanding of what scripture teaches us and how we can actually live that out. Yes. Because like sexism is a real thing. And, uh, when you're dealing with Christians, there are two different camps. Well, there's multiple camps, but when it comes to gender camps, just hanging out, out. they, they camped around the tabernacle and (laughs) now we just camp around 12 tribes. (laughs) I said tribes and camp together. Didn't work out. (laughs) 
not what I was going for. You just called the church trash. I didn't call the church trash. <laughs> hey, Jesus did it first in the Bible. It says, anyway, uh, so there's two main camps when it comes to discussing gender roles and equality in the church. And you have uh, what's called egalitarians, mm-hmm. um, which just egalitarian means they believe in equality. They believe that uh, men and women are equal as far as the roles and the responsibilities, mm-hmm. as well as the worth uh, in the eyes of God for what we do in the church. And then there are those that are complementarians. Now I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not a complementarian. I am. I lean more towards the egalitarian mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's biblical complementarianism that says uh, men and women have different roles, uh, but they are no less valued. Um, and I guess I would liken it to the image of like um, the analogy of the body, the human body. Mm-hmm. So there's not a part of your body that isn't valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and each part of your body does something specific and is uh, specialized mm-hmm. for that thing. And no other part can do it. And that part can't do what other parts do. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like we're saying, oh, well, your foot is less important than your hand because your foot can't pick things up. Mm-hmm. Although some people do have like really long toes and they can grab stuff. But um, some people don't have arms, so their feet are it, their hands. Exactly. But what we're saying is, uh, or what this model says is no, every part is equally important mm-hmm. and that it's actually super important that they stick to what their role is Yeah, because in sticking to their role, they are able to bless the body more. Yeah. And I think what, where we get that wrong in the church where we, or where we maybe hyper emphasize something that, that shouldn't be so emphasized is like that analogy works for any gifting in the body. And gifting actually it's, it's yes. used, like Paul uses that example. Yep. Um, but I think we kind of extend that to say, to make it like to oversimplify it about mm-hmm. gender when it's like, yeah. this isn't, it's not a guy girl thing. <laughs> like if you specifically, I'm thinking of times in church ministry where, you know, brother so-and-so really wants to sing. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be the one that's most popular. People want to sing in the worship team, mm-hmm. but brother so-and-so he's just not like he, he's kind of tone deaf and he's not really on key. Like he's not in rhythm. He has issues with that. So yeah. we want to encourage brother so-and-so in his particular gifting. And, right. and it's not because he's a male that he can't sing. Yeah. It's not because of what genetic condition he's in. It's because, Hey, look, this isn't your strength. This isn't going to lead the body. This isn't going to strengthen the body. So we're going to find that thing that you do really well that God has gifted you to do. And I think we have taken that, that scripture in particular. Mm -hmm. And we have said, oh, this is so likening it to like, well, the woman is the foot and the man. And even though there there are those scriptures that talk about the man being the head of the household or um, different things. But we have taken that and we've applied it sometimes in the church to a harmful extent where, okay, woman, you're the lower part and yeah. therefore you can't do these things. When, when Paul's explaining that he's not talking about simply male and female, he's speaking of the whole body of all people and their giftings. Yeah. And what, uh, what a lot of people use. And again, we're not going to go into the difference between complementarians and egalitarians because both are biblical. Like both people mm-hmm. have a very strong conviction and a biblical bias. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both will be in heaven. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a, it's a sparring match between siblings. It's not right. a you're in, I'm out type of thing. Um, but what we're talking about is when you, when we twist um, specifically how you interpret scripture mm-hmm. and you use it as a manipulation in order to promote sexism. And now what sexism yeah. is, um, if you don't know, cause it's just kind of generic or you've heard the word a lot, but the actual definition is sexism is a prejudice or discrimination of someone based solely on their sex. Mm. So not looking at anything else, but because you're a man or a woman, this is, this is the thing yeah. you're in. This, this is what's box. true of you. Exactly. Yeah. And that happens even in uh, traditions that consider themselves egalitarian, right? Mm-hmm. In Christian streams that have 
have a history of um, even women being pastors and uh, mm-hmm. ordained elders, there's still a lot of sexism. Mm-hmm. And it's damaging to the witness of the church. Yeah. And why? Like, Some people might ask, well, what, how, why does it matter um, how this is interpreted outside of the body? Because mm-hmm. like this is this is family stuff, right? This is how we deal with our family. And I would say, um, in particular, like in in certain churches where maybe you're trying to reach um, single mothers, or mm-hmm. you're trying to reach um, young women or young men, it it can get a little bit difficult to reach them if what you are presenting and promoting to them does not include them. And I'm not talking about inclusion as the buzz term. I'm talking about if they don't see themselves as valuable to that community, That's right. they will not want to step in and be a part. They won't even care what's required of being a part of the community. Mm-hmm. They only like the, the salvation stuff will be secondary to the fact like, well, wait a minute, if I'm not even allowed, like I, like it's a rule that I can't step into leadership when I have my PhD yeah. in this or I have training in this I'm I'm capable and I've been serving in these areas in a secular field mm-hmm. but because your interpretation of the scripture tells me that I'm not allowed to it's going to be a turnoff and so like yeah. it does matter um how the like how we present the truth of the gospel to the world it matters how we do it and the way that we live it out in our relationships yeah and I think when we slip into um sexism in the church it's from a, um, like you had just said, a misinterpretation, a misunderstanding of the intention of scripture. And again, uh, biblical complementarians, they value each sex. They, mm-hmm. they uphold um, the rights and the, the roles and the dignity of women and men. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are very keen on, on not belittling or degrading others mm-hmm. based on their sex. There's no discrimination. And generally it only comes into... Uh, play the limitation of roles when it comes to the t- the term pastor right normally right um that a the the term of pastor should not be bestowed on women is like mm-hmm. what like one of the general rules right mm-hmm. um but what we see is that a lot of times in churches this is true in every area but especially when it comes to men and women they focus so much on what you can't do yep and what you can do versus yep. Or not what you can't do sorry what you can't do versus what God has given us the ability and the calling to do yeah there's um, a lot of, yeah. it, it almost turns into legalism at times. Straight up. Like, and, I wouldn't even say almost. I mean, yeah, it, it really does. It turns into like, well, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. This isn't allowed for you. And um, because we are, um, I mean, that's kind of how we're wired in a sense. It's like, well, yeah. what, what's what's the line? Where can I operate? What What's my boundary? But we take it and we start applying these things that we would prefer for ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there is scriptural backing for it, we, we find that, or at least I found there's some scriptures I could use to justify my prejudice straight up. I could you, I, if I really wanted to, I, I just, you know, kind of take it out of context, mm-hmm. um, out of the original intent or the original like phraseology of it and just say, you know what? Actually scripture does teach that it's okay for me to, to not outright forgive people. Like mm-hmm. I have to wait for them. You know, like I could do that easily yeah. and I could do it with any scripture about men and women. Yeah. Um, if I, I could take it way too literally, and I'm not talking about not taking scripture literally, but I could apply something so literally um, that was meant in a broader context. Yeah. Um, and I know that like, what is it? Second uh, Timothy, one of the Timothys mm-hmm. and one of, or Titus, maybe one of those scriptures. That, that's one of the ones I really hate to hear people use to justify complementarianism, which I find myself more to be on the side of complementarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from a practical standpoint, but then from a relational standpoint, I will say, honestly, I get really tired of hearing um, women who are complementarians try to tell other women how they should live out their calling. I well, really get sick of hearing that. I want to take, I want to take a step away from complimentary cause I'm not trying yeah. to downgrade those folks. Um, because what I, I believe historically, uh, what like the records show us is that the church was a lot more unified. There was a lot more oneness, uh, before it became mainstream before, mm. uh, Constantine was like, Hey, yeah, being a Christian school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so at that point when the church, like, blended with the culture mm -hmm. then male chauvinism became the rule yeah just because before um the church before constantine became a christian on his deathbed um there was really not a ton of tension we we know from looking at scripture there wasn't a ton of tension between men and women and then we see shortly thereafter there were no more women priests no more women um mm. in as church planners no more women in leadership because the culture of the time was a patriarchy right yeah and so that's been passed down and it's kind of been um tagged on to christianity yeah well and yeah it's like the it's a negative part of christianity is the, yeah. the patriarchal spirit that tends to overrun it exactly yeah and so like that's been that's part of the the culture of the church mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what christ intended right and so as that gets passed down you see just like what you just said there are women who have um who have bought into this this male chauvinism mm -hmm. right who have bought into the patriarchy as they say as the the, the kids say these days you know the buzzwords <laughs> the young folks what they talk about in the right streets. right um so they they've bought into that and so they continue to perpetuate that st that same mentality towards other women yeah and it makes i i think there's a like it's a slippery slope i think when when we start to um limit the freedom of other believers in in doing the thing that God's called them to do. Yeah, we start to put um, what's it called? Put a yoke on them in mm -hmm. a sense. Um, that creates, a, I think, a culture within a local body that says your voice doesn't matter, and what you what God has gifted you to do doesn't matter. And and we can unknowingly and unintentionally create a sense of uh, worthlessness in someone. Oh yeah, um, male or female. Definitely. Like for, for men, I think it's one of those, like if you're putting pressure on all the men in your church, they should be preaching and they all should be planting churches and they all, because you're men and that's what men are supposed to do. Yeah. What if you have a man who is like, I look, this is not my gift. Yeah. Then you're creating, you could be creating in him a sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm not really operating in my gifting. Like, well, if mm -hmm. I'm not operating in this gifting and I'm more like akin to, um, some of these uh, teaching roles that are not in the pastoral sense, or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm gifted in more of a counseling role. Um, does that mean I'm, I'm less of a man mm. or for a woman? Okay. Well, I really feel called to leadership. I really feel called to preach. Um, and I, it doesn't matter to me who's in the audience that I'm preaching to male or yeah. female, but I'm, but I, because I want that, does that make me less of a woman or because I can't have children and I can't raise them up and use that as my teaching role in the home? Yeah. Does that make me less of a woman? And these are things I've literally heard from women. Yeah. Um, so it's not like that, that that's a real thing that people are feeling because that overriding culture of men only do this, women only do this. And if you do anything outside of that, then you're not operating in the God given design. And we use that word design <laughs> as though it's, it's supposed to, um, we're supposed to be changed to it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And, th and that image of, of the design, men do this, women do this, mm -hmm. that it's like the, the movie Footloose, you know, no dancing, no, none of that stuff. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> when you're when you're putting so many chains on people, and these are people that are have been chained. I'm speaking of myself. Like when you're chained to sin, and you come to Jesus, and in that moment you experience freedom. In that season, you experience freedom in Christ, mm-hmm. and then you start to connect with the church, and you're like, oh yeah, this is the bride. These are the people that are the most in touch with with Jesus. So I should feel the same experience and expression of freedom, mm-hmm. not complete freedom to be wild, but I mean right. freedom in Christ. I should be able to experience that. And then you enter into the local church and you start to see more bondage than you did in the world. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, I had more freedom when I was a slave to sin. Like, yeah, I knew there were rules and there was death, but I at least knew I could, I could speak. I could say my, my piece. Yeah. And, um, what it does or what I've seen it do is, uh, what does it do? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry. What, what I've seen it do in relationship, especially with, people who have dealt with um, abuse or uh, the patriarchy in Mm -hmm. society, Mm -hmm. they come to the church expecting grace, expecting um, empowerment, expecting expecting God to bring them into the fullness Mm. that they've heard about and that they know there's something in them that's yearning for more. And then when they step into these places, they're like, oh, wow, I'm gifted here. And they then, get a slap on the hand and they're shut down. Like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that. Yeah. You, I know, listen, I know sister so-and-so you want to like, God gave you a word, I guess. Yeah. But you should keep that word for just the few women in your small group because they're the ones that need to know yeah. about this. Don't, don't yeah. tell me. And it's like, <laughs> when you say those things, like when you start to degrade women, um, based solely on their sex, um, you are operating not in the spirit of freedom, not in the spirit of Christ, not in the spirit of unity, but you're operating in the spirit of antichrist and you're operating in the spirit of division mm-hmm. and you're operating in oppression of people that God calls beloved. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's one of those things that has been justified for so long. Yeah. And in the church, there's a safe haven of um, a certain type of church, right? Mm-hmm. I remember watching videos of this one church um, in rural Midwest uh, where this dude was just as chauvinist as can be. Oh my gosh. I remember um, this guy. He said it was the thing about the wives and the husbands. Oh, all sorts of stuff. He was literally talking about like the relationship between a husband and a wife, um, speaking specifically about intimacy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, women, if you deny your husband f- for any reason, mm-hmm. this God given right that he has, you, what does he say? He's like, listen up chick. You, like, better, you better, you better repent chick. chick. But yet didn't have an equal word for the husband. Now, I, and like honestly, I'm like, okay, you want to say that, but but also say it to the husband because we are equal under Christ, That's and right. we our bodies belong to each other yeah. in the marital relationship. And so, I'm okay with saying those things as long as you truly can be egalitarian about it yeah. and understand like this applies to both. Because when Paul spoke about the husband and wife relationship, um, and them being like belonging to each other, submitting um, to submitting one submitting to one another, this wasn't a one has to submit. Or even that one has to show love and one has to show respect. That should be mutual 24 7, 365, Come on. regardless of the parts you have. That's right. And this is true not only in the marital relationship, but I would say between brothers and sisters in the church. Yeah. This is something that I, I've personally experienced and I've seen it so much that because someone is a male and they're talking to a female who is maybe the same age, same generation, same life experience, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a, there has been a sense of you need to listen to me cause I'm a man and I, yeah. I'm, I'm the man speaking and you need to respect the man. Wow. And I've said to a man in the church, mm-hmm. 
I am to submit to my husband. I am the wife of one husband here. Come on. Y'all I'm heard not her submitting to anybody else's husband. So I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm not submitted to you yeah. in, in leadership. Unless there were a pastor, of course, I would understand as my pastor, I would submit. But in, that, in certain areas. In yeah. certain areas. But it's just, it, it creeps into these things. And mm-hmm. it, no one would ever say it like, well, yeah, because I'm a man or, well, because I'm a woman, I have to submit to every man in the room. Yeah. No one ever says it, but there's, there is that like, it's just understood in the church and it just kind of gets passed by like, well, that's just the way it is. And yeah. And we always act that act like that. The thing that really bothers me is like when you start to boil down people's actions to like, okay, what is this really communicating? Um, A lot of times in our churches, what we're really communicating is there are certain people that matter and certain people that don't. And so what we're saying is a whole other series. It's, it's a real thing though. Like, and we'll probably bring this up as we, because we're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about um, self righteousness. We're going to we're going to dive into some stuff, mm-hmm. y'all. Um, but when it comes to sexism, I, I remember specifically we were part of a church at one point where uh, there were several uh, breastfeeding women who were breastfeeding their mm-hmm. children, right? Not just randomly. Yes, not just wife. randomly breastfeeding yeah. other people's kids. No, just you know, breastfeeding <laughs> breast, mothers breastfeeding their children. Right. So I said breastfeeding women. I meant mothers. They're yes. women who are mothers. Women who had babies that they were breastfeeding. Exactly. <laughs> And um, there became like a little uh, kerfluffle. I don't know what to call it. Um, hubbub. Hubbub. Uh, a hubbub, hubbub. A scuttlebutt. Hubbub. A little scuttlebutt? to-do. Scuttlebutt? Yeah, it's a thing. People say that. What's a scuttlebutt? It's like a hubbub or a to-do. It's like when people are talking. <laughs> I've never, never heard, heard of a scuttlebutt. If you've heard of scuttlebutt, holla at your boy because I know <laughs> random things apparently. Um, but anyway, it became a thing where some of the young men in the church were like, I'm not really comfortable with these women feeding their children. And so they need to cover up mm-hmm. they, or they need to go to another room mm-hmm. or whatever. And it was never addressed that, no, if, if you have an issue with lust and with wandering eyes, that's your problem. Yeah. And, but what it boiled down to was like, okay, ultimately the men's feelings matter more because we're going to address this issue. Like you boil it all the way down. Mm-hmm. They feel this way. They feel this way. We're going to side over here. So what yeah. you're saying is, there are a group of people that don't mm-hmm. matter as much as yeah. these other I think folks. one of the comments I had made during that, because I remember sitting down with our brothers and being like, why is this an issue? Like, mm-hmm. And of course, I don't know every man's struggle in his past. I can't know every man's issue and like be responsible for thinking you about can't be. Yeah. like, oh, did he struggle with pornography? And therefore me having my breasts out feeding my child is good. I don't know. And unless my brother comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to leave the room just so you know. And it's not anything against you. But I just it makes me I'm, I'm going to leave. And yeah, that's just and that's, on, that's on, it's on, on your you. feelings. But I don't need to change what I'm doing. And like I remember all the women that from what I remember mm-hmm. um, were very modest and like um, polite about it. It was never like a, we're in the middle of conversation. I'm just going to whip this out. Like <laughs> it was, it was very much yes. like, Hey, everybody else is over here talking. The women are over here gathered with our babies. They're all hungry. Okay, great. We're going to breast or in children. the, like you're in worship and you're sitting in your yes. row and, you're and it's covered. dark you, you and do no, your thing. Yeah. nobody should be looking at you anyway. When you're worshiping you Jesus, worshiping the Lord, come on now. We all know that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember, um, talking with another friend of mine who had been on a worship team mm-hmm. and had been told like she needed to dress a certain way because what she, was, now this is somebody who truthfully, I've never seen them wear anything that was provocative or risque, like, anything like that. Yeah. And I was like, what were you wearing? That was like, <laughs> were you wearing a skirt that maybe from the stage they were like, Oh, I can see up her skirt. She's like, no, I was wearing black pants that were like a pleather material. I had on like jeans. They were yeah. jeans, but they were like metallic. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And she's like, yeah, they didn't like, and they said that they were too tight. 
they were skinny jeans. <sighs> right. So, so, but what I said, I responded with that and I was like, uh, so are men now this is taking it a little far, but I was like, so are men who are fit, who have like muscles up here? The mu- <laughs> should we tell the muscles, should you we know tell them? please don't wear shirts to where I can see your muscles because your shirts that tight, could sir. be, that could be a stumbling block for your sister. I think they should, because I'd be feeling self-conscious. I'll be like, listen, sir, <laughs> can you put them, aw- put the muscles away? Cause I haven't gone to the gym in a while and you're making me feel self-conscious. So I but feel like, uncomfortable. But seriously, where do we stop it? Like we want to tell women. And of course I understand we need to be dressed in a way that is not distracting to people, but that should go across yes. the board. And that shouldn't just include whether or not you see my shoulder on Sunday morning. And the other part of that. And again, the reason we're saying this is not because we have a big issue with the uh, dress code or with the breastfeeding policy, but the, the root of these things is rooted in the sexism and the, um, the disregarding of women as co-heirs and co-equals mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God. Now, and again, neither one of those examples we just gave has anything to do with the roles of women in church. No. And that's where we see sexism in the church pop yeah. its head up more than any other. Because if, again, if mm-hmm. you subscribe to uh, complementarianism, awesome. awesome. I've seen some awesome churches. I've been a part of awesome churches that, that do that well, mm-hmm. but within the church, the, the values and the, um, the honoring of the Imago Dei in the other person, mm, the mm-hmm. image of God in the other person uh, shouldn't change with the the bits, right? <laughs> with the with the downstairs with bits. the parts you got yeah, or with, don't got. Exactly. Like it shouldn't change, but it does so often mm-hmm. because um, a lot of times women's voices are quieted. I remember being in a uh, ministerial alliance meeting. Mm. Excuse me. And there were um, there was one female pastor on the alliance. All of the rest of us were men. And um, this isn't a yay, pat myself on the back moment, but I was raised. Good mostly, for you, Nick. <laughs> I was raised mostly by my mother. And so sexism is something that really bothers me. It, it really does, especially because um, I like I didn't have any sisters or anything, but like I honored respect in my mother, respect in my grandmother, who was mm-hmm. a strong influence in my life. I love and respect my wife. I just I think women are the world. So um, I do what I can to stick up for <laughs> for my sisters in Christ. And um, I remember we were at this meeting and she just kept getting shut down by by people saying stuff. And I like, I had to say something after a while. I was like, hold the phone. Wait, <laughs> wait a tick Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're not gonna, no, you're not gonna just sit here and act like she wasn't just speaking. Like mm-hmm. she, she has something to say. We need to listen. We need to allow her to engage just like everyone else. And in the church, it's those moments, those little small microaggressions against yeah. women that has the world looking at the church and being like, yeah, the church is not just backwards as in archaic mm-hmm. or, or ancient, right? Because we do follow an ancient path. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what the world looks at us and like, oh, we hate them because they're so righteous. No, the world doesn't <laughs> do that. The world looks oh, at us. That's Satan. But, yeah. <laughs> that's right. The world looks at us and they're like, man, you've got you've got women in your midst that can't talk, that, that aren't valued, that can't. They could go to the, the local bar and get more respect. Like mm-hmm. they can go to any social club any yeah. sort of gathering of people and have equal standing. But yet somehow in the church, mm-hmm. there's this rule that women, because of their bits, they, they can't, yeah. they can't be the or same that, as someone or else. Or that men, because of their genetic makeup should only do certain things. Like there, 
there's yeah there's just such a there's so many stigmas about what can and can't be done and and I, I hope you're not hearing this and thinking like wow you guys are like super on the liberal train you're like everybody do everything and who cares about gender and that's not what we're saying we're at not all. talking about gender fluidity um, we're, we're talk- not although yeah. that is something that the church does need to be able to address and in a loving way better yeah. um because i think that some of the issues we have with this have contributed to that hmm. because you have people who are so utterly confused about well, what am I allowed to be? Yeah. Um, who and who says what I'm allowed to be? And and they're so just pressured from all sides, from the world. Yeah. Um, and I will say, like, when you have that like extremism, and um, there is some extreme sexism that happens in a lot of churches. Um, yeah. When you have that you can push people to the other edge where they will start to seek respect and to seek having a voice in the wrong way. Oh yeah. And definitely. you'll have people you, and that's where we get a lot of people who will leave the church and bash the church and talk about all things sideways and up and down. And, um, they'll make albums about it and all these things <laughs> because they've been empowered by the world mm-hmm. to use their voice for harm against the church. Whereas they should have been empowered within the church to facilitate change, um, that glorified God and to, to step into those roles um, and, and those giftings confidently. And yeah. so I, I, that's my biggest caution for the church is you, you can't push so far, whether it's um, complementarianism, egalitarian, you can't, uh, not egalitarianism, sorry, um, sexism. You can't push so far mm-hmm. to one extreme because you're going to end up tipping the scale for somebody and they're going to go the complete opposite direction of what yeah. you, you intended, even with, at times your well-meaning sentiment. That's good. That's good. So let's move into practicality. This is such a um, theoretical or like philosophical point that we're making, yeah. um, uh, a point really about worldview, mm-hmm. but there is some practical stuff that we can do. So yeah. Kylie Joe, practically speaking, yeah. pra- practically, practically speaking. I, I, miss, I miss some of them letters in there. <laughs> practically speaking. Uh, how can I ensure that my church or ministry is not contributing to sexist ideologies? Yeah. First, just honesty, honest, I did it too. See? Honestly, mm-hmm. evaluate what is the majority demographic of the people in leadership in your organization? I say organization because okay. you could be in a church, you could be in a nonprofit, Para you could just ministry. be in a business and you're trying to be a, a good Christian business owner. Yeah. So do the people that are in leadership accurately reflect the community that you are trying to reach and serve. We mentioned earlier the single mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a pastoral staff that is entirely male, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, you're probably not going to reach the single mamas and you may not reach them for the right reasons. Come like on. they're going to be interested, but maybe not for the right reason. And so take that into consideration. What, and the women that you, that I'm not saying just put women in leadership just because, yeah. um, just like we shouldn't just be putting people of color in leadership just because, but really evaluate. Do we have women or do we have um young people in in um in our church in our organization who are capable of leading in this way and or can we foster leadership that's one thing i really think is important is not just giving someone a title or a position of power but how can i then um like usher someone into leadership eventually like and and kind of affirm them in uh in that role that's good um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Checking, checking out where you are in the leadership and what it reflects. I think yeah. you also need to, um, check your own bias now. Quick, check yourself. Check before you're wrecked. That's a different episode. You need to check ah, it out. It is, yeah. But, um, check your own bias. There's, yeah. um, actually a funny story. Kylie Joe and I both had a weird bias against female preachers, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't know where it even stemmed from, but 
it took us a while to actually work through it and to articulate it. I was like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Like I would hear something and then I'd be like, you know what? I probably would have received that better from a male. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know what that's about. And having to like sift through my own mess, my own issues. Um, and I'm not there anymore. I, I think there's some amazing female preachers, but, um, but yeah, you have to, you have to be able to own that. Like, ah, uh, you know what? You definitely I, do. I would rather hear this from a man. Well, why? Yeah. And if, if the answer is because I'm dealing with some sexism, that's not a pass of being like, <laughs> oh, you've identified it. So you're cool. Oh, you're sexist. Great. Yeah, cool. No, you identify <laughs> it so that then you can surrender it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and this is a, a two-parter, uh, use your two-part practicality. Two- <laughs> Name of our new band, two-part <laughs> practicality. Uh, use your voice. So mm. first, you need to speak out uh, against sexism wherever you find it. And yeah. that's not just jumping on Facebook and being like, you are so sexist. Because that rarely ever changes anyone's opinion. But most of the time when this happens in the local church, right? Like you're there and you see those people looking over their shoulders saying something rude or making sexist jokes or, or disregarding women's voices or uh, whatever. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman speak out against that in the, in that moment, Um, know that you have biblical standing to hold your brother or sister accountable in grace to the truth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And if you are a pastor, I would say your responsibility in that is even greater. If you know this happens in your church or if you yourself have been guilty of it, or uh, unaware, if you've been ignorant of the problem in your church, you have to make that known to your congregation. You have to share with them and say, look, we are not going to be this kind of church. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do to um, well, remedy we this. Do. Well, what you're not going to do in, in this church. <laughs> um, you got to pull the, the mom or dad voice with uh-huh. them and say that. But um, but yeah, I think it's important from from the top down. That's how organizations change. Yeah. Um, it Some of it happens in, you know, the, what is it? The, the grassroots. The, the grassroots or the water cooler conversation. But most of it is happening when they see you modeling it yeah. and doing it well and repenting openly and saying, gosh, you know, I'm just not, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. And then the second part of using your voice is also affirm the women in your midst, in your family, in your congregation, in your friend, your peer group, whatever it is, mm-hmm. affirm them in their gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, again, Kylie Joe said it earlier. It's not just, Hey, you're a woman. You should lead us. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, some, some pe- just people don't have good, uh, the calling to leadership. True. Right. Some people, that's just not how they're wired. They're gifted mm-hmm. in other ways, but whatever um, someone is gifted in, and if they express and they're able to articulate their gifting and mm-hmm. empower them and affirm them, have the ICNU conversations, especially okay. with young women. Um, when you see leadership in a, in a young woman say, Hey, I see leadership in you. I mm. see that you have the ability to inspire. You have the ability to speak. You have the ability to delegate. Well, like mm-hmm. I see leadership in you. Yeah. Um, and it helps them to articulate their own calling as well. Yeah. And just so you know, this, this conversation about sexism, I think it was timely. We, we didn't plan to, like have this during like women's history month and all of that, but it I, is I, women's it history is, month. and it's, it's coming right. to a close, but this is just something I think we should reflect on. Of course, all the time. It Amen. shouldn't just be once a year. Um, just like with black history month and, and different right. things, but, um, it's really important that we understand where we come from. I think that's, that's a really hard place. Like because scripture is often misinterpreted, um, we, we look at the scriptures about women or we see the way that, um, certain things are depicted about women in scripture. And we think, oh, women have always been property and women have always been this, not understanding the Jewish culture and not yeah. truly understanding what those scriptures mean. And so if you aren't aware of that and you don't know where this culture comes from, you you have to start there. Yeah, You have to go back and say, well, what 
what does the Jewish history show me about the value of women? And why yeah, does why the New Testament honor certain women as pastors yeah, and, and church and, planners? But then and, also say women should be silent. Like you need to learn about the history of the, the worship of Diana. And you need yeah. to w- learn about all these things to know the context of what is being taught so that you can better stand on the truth and better defend those Mm -hmm. when you see wrong being done. Otherwise it's gonna be like, well, you shouldn't talk, you shouldn't say that to her. Why not? Cause Cause just bad. I just have a feeling. Stop it. No, you need to be able to say no, because, (laughs) because God affirms women in this role or because God teaches that men are empowered in this. You need to know that. To be able to say it and to be able to use your voice appropriately. That's good stuff. Well, if this episode has blessed you, if you have gotten anything from this, uh, any value at all, please share this with someone that you know, someone that you care about, and um, let them know about the Nick Smith Podcast. Yeah, this has been the Nick Smith Podcast. We hope you've gotten a dose of real life. No myth. Be Be blessed. blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Nick Smith Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Don't forget to rate and share this podcast. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media. If you want to be a part of our family's mission to entertain, educate, and empower others, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Exclusive Nick Smith merchandise is available to you through our online store at www.nicksmithpodcast.com.